Get ready, Avalanche territory. It's now time for the Mile High Hockey Podcast with Mike Evans on your home for the most Avalanche content. Denver Sports Station, 104.3 The Fan. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome into the Mile High Hockey Podcast Stanley Cup edition as... Once again, we are presented by TNT Home Services for all your heating, plumbing, cooling, and electrical needs. Reach out to TNT Home Services. they got some great specials for you to enjoy in June. We'll tell you a little bit more about them throughout the course of this podcast. And my guest today has been my, uh, my, my many-time partner in crime as we get ready for Avalanche playoff games. The one and only Matt Smith, who you hear during the Avalanche postgame shows. And he's been filling in, doing a, a tremendous job on all of our shows um, throughout the course of the day. Matt, uh, good morning. Uh, welcome. And, boy, you know you have made an impression on me when Andre Burakovsky scores the game winner. The first thought I had the first thought, not, hey, Avalanche win. They win game one of the Stanley Cup final. No, my first thought is, ha, Matt Smith, your boy just proved you wrong. (laughs) And I love it. And I loved it. Good morning, Mike. Yeah, no, good morning. You know, I think it's funny because I got a lot of that last night, which deservedly so. And I, I enjoyed every single minute of it, right? You know, I think my biggest complaint all year with him is that I call him the J.R. Smith of the abs, right? I mean, streaky and really hot when he feels it, but when he's not, he's not, man. And he play and he doesn't play defense, which is very similar to J.R. So, you know, look, when, when I look at a guy like that, I was on with the drive before the game, and we were talking about it because Chambers had reported that he left the morning skate early. And with how injured that they are with Kadri out and Cogliano out and their forward depth is certainly being tested – if he were to have missed the game, it was going to be a, a very big absence because he is one of two abs on this team with a ring, and they need his veteran presence in the room. I mean, they need a guy who's been there and done that before to come in and settle the nerves. And for a guy like that who's been in and out of the lineup and, you know, the big moments, you know, you have to step up and meet. And I thought Val Nachushkin last night was phenomenal and he made a beautiful pass to Burakovsky and credit Berkey because it's never easy to beat Vasilevsky and if he's a second late on that shot Vasilevsky might get a skate on it so I'm thrilled that you thought of me absolutely (laughs) as as did many others I half expected Burakovsky in the postgame presser to say this one's for you Matt this one's (laughs) for Matt right (laughs) you are right though about the the goal, yeah, it was an, an empty net. It, it was a wide-open net. But you've seen plenty of really good NHL players in that situation whiff on the shot, um, do not get good wood on the shot, or just airmail the shot entirely and, and miss the net. He drilled that thing. Uh, there, was, there was no hesitation. N- Clearly a guy wasn't feeling the pressure of the moment. He drilled that thing. Yeah, he did. It was it was a really good play. It, it really was. And I thought overall he played a really solid game uh, 200 feet last night. He actually finished with the highest Corsi percentage of anybody on the team. And I thought that he was pretty good last night in 1245 or whatever it was of ice time. They needed him. And that line, the second line, the Comfer, you know, Burakovsky and Rantanen line was their best line last night, undoubtedly. So, I mean, what an opening win. What a night for hockey. And what what a night 
ride for the state of Colorado, Mike. You know, I was just kind of, as we've been going on this run, you know, kind of seeing everybody's attention start to turn. And you and I knew what would happen once we got to this point. We knew that we would get the bandwagon fans and we wanted to welcome them on board. And, um, you know, I just think it's cool, man. Like you see Stokely last night at the game, you know, finally back from, you know, vacation, his double vacation or whatever he took. And, 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 you know, he's at the game with his son, huge smile on his face. You know, he's buying them a car sweater. You know, Zach and Richie are at the game. You know, I I, I ran into somebody this morning getting breakfast. <laughs> the unscientific Marilat survey uh, this morning <laughs> at ask my... 10 people. At, yeah, exactly, at my bagel shop. But um, one of the girls who works there knows what I do. And she was, you know, she she saw me come in this morning. She's like, oh, my God, Matt, can you believe it? And my boyfriend got tickets for game two, and I can't wait to go. And... I just I don't know, Mike. I, I I it's a really good feeling to see everybody really embrace the community aspect of it, and we haven't had this in a while. And and the Broncos are one thing, but it, it's really good to see another team step up because it's Broncos country. But when the Avs are the Avs, Mike, we we both know what kind of support they have around. Yeah, here. we knew this was coming, and and it's awesome to see. And and I love the bandwagon hopping element of all this because. It, it is something that brings an entire community together. Strangers or people who, you know, barely know each other, they, they all of a sudden have this common theme, this common ground, this common denominator. And, and plus there's just the idea that, uh, you know, Stokely brings his kid to the game, right? Or uh, mm. Tyler's watching the game with his kids. I have a, right. I have a 15-year-old son. And, and you know what ends up happening is, is that, yeah, these are people that are jumping on a bandwagon. Maybe they don't know a lot about the S. Maybe they don't know a lot about hockey. But you know what? They get sucked in, and there's a good chance now you've got them. You know, you got them. Got them now. You've got somebody who is now going to become serious hockey guy, right? Have fan for life. Exactly. You're, you're you're creating a whole new generation, and in many cases, a younger generation, which is awesome, um, of, of Avalanche fans. So yeah, everyone's welcome. I love seeing the scenes at Tivoli Quad and at McGregor Square, and everyone's watching the game and. Um, you know, I'm at Blake Street Tavern uh, last night, and it's funny because Blake Street Tavern's been around forever, and I've been around forever, and uh, <laughs> so I, I can I, I I did shows and appearances when the Avs were winning the Cup back in '01. I was there when the Rockies were going on the Rocktober run, and it felt so familiar in such right. a really good way. And then I popped my head outside, I looked around, everything's packed, and people are walking around, and people are having a great time. I'm like, this is what it's all about. Let's get back into the game here. And um, what was your feeling when the Avalanche coughed up the 2 nothing and 3-1 leads and found themselves in a 3-3 dogfight? Were you, were you nervous at all? Or what about the Avs' playoff run to this point still left you with a lot of confidence? You know, I think now that you're in the final, right, you've, you've played – what, 14 games up until this point, and you've learned some tough lessons. Game five in St. Louis, you know, uh, or game five at home, game two at home. Um, I, I think back to the Nashville game four, you know, Nashville game two. Just some really interesting performances where the Avs have been, been able to learn lessons while winning. And I think at this point, especially against Tampa, back-to-back champs, they can win anyway, and they have the best goaltender in the world. And I felt like what was fascinating about that first period is Vasilevsky 
letting in two squeakers after Tampa really put the early blitz on you. You kill the penalty. Then he gives up two easier, softer goals. Okay, Vasilevsky's human. You kind of get that element to it and maybe take the mental aspect out of it. You allow the home crowd to kind of wash over you and get those vibes going and kill that nervous energy. And I thought that that was why, Mike, quite frankly, I pushed so hard for them to go win the President's Trophy and accumulate as many points. It wasn't about the trophy. It was about home ice in the finals. And last night, I kept thinking about this in the first period, with the way that Tampa came out and that early power play on a bad Manson penalty, if that game was in Tampa last night, that's a totally different hockey game. And I I really have to credit the crowd. And, yeah, you know, when when I look at it, was I nervous? The only part of me that was nervous was for Darcy. And... There was a conversation going on in the room I watched a game where after they gave up the game tying goal, I leaned over and I said, look, if you give up the go-ahead goal here, you got to think about it. I think just a fee, and it wasn't because I think Darcy was terrible, but I felt like he struggled to see the puck at times last night. And, you know, we all knew that this team was going to win in spite of its goaltending. But what I think we're starting to realize here is if the Avs win the cup this year, they might do it with the worst goaltending of any cup champion in history. I mean, Mike Darcy has an 857 save percentage in the playoffs. That's atrocious. It is the worst out of all 20 qualifying playoff goaltenders. So, you look, I mean, credit to this team for battling and fighting and and staying involved and engaged because that third period was back and forth. And I felt like you saw nine days of rest come into effect early in this one. The Avs really let the air out of the tires in the first period. And I thought they gassed themselves out a little bit. And those next two periods, Kale was sensational the last 25 minutes of regulation. So, look, big win. You take them any way you can get them this time of year. And now that we're in the Stanley Cup final, beggars can't be choosers. That's 1-0. Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by TNT Home Services. Mike Evans along with uh, Matt Smith here as we're looking back on uh, Avs game one overtime win. They're 4-1 and one in overtime. And uh, we were talking about the, the game with Mark Schlereth and I and uh, just going on and on about the, the mental toughness of this team. And a, and a texter texted in and said, hey, you know, you guys are acting really cocky for a team that was one bad bounce away from from losing. And I thought about it and I, I don't like the I don't like the idea that just because you win a game in overtime that you can't feel good about the way the team played in, in winning that game or the way that they continue to handle these moments. They're four and one in overtime. And yeah, I get it. I get that overtime is a, a really Scary, you know, proposition. And ESPN ran the the promo right before overtime. Nothing makes you feel more alive than than sudden death hockey, right? But Mm -hmm. this team is 4-1. And and at some point, it stops being about, uh uh-oh, they're going into overtime. And it becomes, hey, this is where this team really rises to the occasion. It's like I, I made the point that when the Broncos won the Super Bowl in 2015... 11 of their 15 wins, 12 in the regular season and three in the playoffs, 11 of their 15 wins came by a touchdown or less. And, yeah, you can you can say as you're going through the season, hey, man, you can't keep playing these close games. They're going to come back to bite you at some point. You can't. The law of averages will not always smile on you. Well, 
Why can't they? And at what point does winning close games and going into overtime and having the confidence going into overtime that somebody's going to step up and be the hero, why, why can't that be looked at as a positive and, and yet a continuing reason to feel so confident slash cocky about this team? Are you Harvey Dent, Two-Face from the Dark Knight? You make your own luck where you got two sides of a coin that's head right, and heads on right, the other side? Right, Yeah, no, I mean, I, I think it's a good point. You know, everything you've been through up to this point has prepared you for it. Now, when you're playing Tampa, you don't take anything for granted. And I think you can be confident, and I think you can be, you know, celebratory, but at the same time, also very cognizant of the fact that just because you won game one, I mean, look, that's one of four. You know, and they all count the same. And it was a huge, huge win because if you if we go back to overtime, Mike, and they end up losing that game, think about the mentality for game two. You're coming out, you're gripping the stick. You know, you got to get an early jump on this team because you need that sec that one win to try and go get home ice back in Tampa. So I think it was a really, really uh, important statement for them. And, and more than anything, I think it was. Um, what I, what I liked about the game last night is they were tested. They were tested early. They were tested in the second period. It wasn't a perfect game from the Avs by any stretch. And Tampa certainly got some confidence back. But how many times in the past few years, if the Avs give up the game-tying goal and make it 3-3, three to three, do they come out and win that game, Mike? Right. And that's why this team is one that can be trusted. And this is right. a team that when they say – that they've learned the painful lessons over the last couple of years, and especially last year, believe them. Because this team has a mental toughness now that just wasn't on display the last couple of years. And to the point where they're going in overtime last night, and as they got ready for overtime, I'm like, oh, man, I got to... I should be feeling really nervous right now, right? I mean, it's 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 one bad bounce of the puck, and they're down one zero, and they've lost home. And instead, Matt, I was I was really confident, and and just the belief that this team uh, there there is that element of they'll we're okay with it being a different hero every night. It doesn't have to be Nathan McKinnon. It doesn't have to be Landy. It doesn't have to be Kale McCarr. It can be Val, Val Nachuski, and it can be uh, Andre Burakovsky, who's been, you know, kind of in and out of the lineup. It, it, it can be JT Comfer, and, and that's what— It can be Lekkanen. It can be Lekkanen. So there, there's right. just so much to this team that, that gives me a sense of, of confidence rather than uh, apprehension— um, and, and and the idea of of overtime, uh, wh- wh- how do you explain why they've been so good in overtime? And a lot of times it doesn't last that long. It 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 gets it's over pretty quickly. Sounds like me in the bedroom. Oh, um, yo, talking about getting full wood. <laughs> Um, no, no. I, you know what I think it is? I think it's sense of urgency. And I think it's really a, a testament to Jared Bednar, who has been through the fire with this team. That That is one of the most fascinating storylines of this series, is that you're talking about the two longest tenured coaches in the NHL right now, and Cooper and Bednar. And not only are they the longest tenured, Mike, they might be the best two coaches in the NHL. And I think it's a reflection of the coaching staff that never lets the players get too high or too low and keeps everything at an even keel that, look, we've done all our work. There's no surprises here. It's a high leverage situation, 
but we've converted all year and there's, you know, no reason to think we won't do it again. And when I look at it, I think it's the speed. I think I really think it's the speed. When you look at the at the Avs in this playoff run, you think about Nashville. Well, Nashville got some phenomenal goaltending overall from their backup goalies and you know they played with a little bit of pride but still got swept right they were not even close to the speed of Colorado and then you look at St. Louis and St. Louis got in the Avs head some self-inflicted mistakes some bad goals a bad game two a blown lead in game five and you know but again the Avs speed was always still there and in overtime at home in altitude, it's really hard to beat this team because it's your fourth period of hockey and you know the Avs will figure out a way to fill the tank back up for the extra session. Now, where I actually think this is a benefit is moving forward. You know, we, we've been used to this day on, day off, day on, day off type of thing here in the in the playoffs. I don't dislike the fact that they have two days off. I mean, Burakovsky's been a little bit banged up. You, you're still waiting on Kadri and Cogliano. And from what we've heard, those guys are apparently going to try and play in this series. So, you know, the extra day off, I don't mind, especially after, after an overtime game. Now, does it let Tampa have some more time to make adjustments? Yeah, it does. But at the same time, you're going to have to make adjustments because we saw John Cooper after the first period really get to his team and, and kind of settle the boys down. And Vasilevsky had one bad period in that game last night. I don't anticipate that moving forward. I don't anticipate four Avs goals. So this is a this is going to be a test of wills. This series, I mean, look, it was a, it was a great foot to start on, but this thing is far from over. Yeah, and I think the the apprehension or the reluctance to to, to to fully invest in this one win from you, I assume I was following you on Twitter mm. in leading up to this series, and you, you have not been shy at uh, talking about your concern about the goaltending. You've been, mm. you, you've been very adamant about that. So I would assume that I- until proven otherwise— You're, you're talking about Vasilevsky, yeah. No, I'm talking about the abs— both well, yeah, well, both of them. <laughs> but both, yeah, both of them, both yeah, goalies. Yeah, yeah. no, no. Yeah. I and and so th- I think you you still am I correct in saying you you still need to see uh, more probably game two more uh, before you you truly believe the Avalanche can win this series. I mean, I, am I right? Did you did you pick the Avs to win this series? Or it, it, everything I read from you sounded like you were picking Tampa to win the series. Heart said Avs, head said Tampa. Okay, um, and because of the goaltending. Yeah. Strictly no, because of the Avs' goaltending and, yeah, and Tampa's yeah. goaltending. It was more because of Tampa's goaltending, quite frankly, because the Avs hadn't run into a defensive team or a goaltender even remotely in the area code of what these guys have. And, and yeah, I mean, you do have to look at Darcy because Kucherov and Stamkos and Point and Nick Paul, I mean, look, you, you, here, here's my concern. Here's my concern moving forward. If Vasilevsky can adjust and can limit the Avs to two goals or less, right, can Kemper do the same? And that's a concern for me. And so it's not like I don't believe in Darcy. I've watched him all year long. One of my concerns is you have had the concern as well, right? Is this good enough to get the job done? Because this is the one thing that could derail this group. And, you know, I, I think that question remains to be answered yet. And also, when you're talking about a team in Tampa that's used to playing long series, that's used to battling back from behind, that can play different ways and adjust. 
and that has been there and done that before, you have to give them all the respect that they deserve. And the Avs haven't done that. This is all uncharted territory. So while I think in a way ignorance is bliss in the fact that, you know, maybe because they haven't been there and done that before, it might actually be to their benefit because they don't know any better against Tampa, right? That they're supposed to lay down against the back-to-back defending champs. That's not going to happen. You know, and so... I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just just going to say, I was just, my own, to wrap up, all I was going to say was that it it comes down to, can you get confidence uh, from your team in your goaltender to move forward? And I think it's just going to be an interesting situation. That's all. But we'll... Will we ever really know if it if it if it does have to happen that way? Think about it. You were, you were talking about save percentage, right? Yeah. yeah. And and Darcy's is is well, atrocious. Is atrocious. And mm-hmm. if you're looking at and and I know you'll you'll hear this when when people talk about goaltenders and and they'll try to defend a goaltender by saying, well, you know, he gave up. Uh, that one wasn't his fault, or that was a bad bounce, or whatever. Okay, let let's assume that every goalie who plays in the playoffs is subject to those kind of plays, right? So they're all kind of put on an even plane because they all deal with that stuff. So now you look at, okay, let's look at the numbers that really truly distinguish the top goalies from the mm-hmm. mediocre to below average goalies. Uh, save percentage. That, that to me, is, a, is, is the go-to stat for me. The, the best goalies, the hottest goalies, the ones that are just humming along at an unbelievable level, they got a save percentage at about 93-94, right? Mm-hmm. The the good ones and the the ones that are going out and just playing really good goaltending for you, they're around ninety two, right? Yep. If you're below ninety, you aren't playing well, right? And, and you if you're say, at eighty five, right? I mean, you, I mean, that's 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 bad. And so right. think about the but think about you're this. lucky to stay in the lineup. Think that about point. this though. If yeah. you take, um, they've played they've played uh, fifteen games to this point. If you take. Pavel Fransos and Darcy's Kemper, Darcy Kemper's combined save percentage, it's 899. Right. Matt, yeah, the avalanche by the, the by one of the, the best metrics of, of analyzing goaltenders are a, are getting below below average goaltending and they're 13 and 2 in the playoffs. It's wild. Think about that. No, it's wild. Think about and that. And that's why I said if they win it you could easily make the argument that it is the worst goaltending for any cup champion of all time. I had to go back to 2010 and Antti Niemi before I found a <laughs> goaltender that I felt like was, you know, maybe on that level. And that Blackhawks team was ridiculous. And then you go back to, what was it, 08 or 06 with Cam Ward and yep. Carolina. Yep. But I, I would, shoot, Mike, I'd rather have Niemi or Cam Ward over Kemper. So, uh, you know, I, like I said, what they're doing is unprecedented, which is why I'm going to take everything once step at a time because that's fair if there's if there's one axiom that i've always truly subscribed to and believe in sports it's that you need championship quality goaltending to win the cup and the avs are trying to become the exception and not the rule so like i said one step at a time i'm confident but i'm not cocky because i do know who's on the other side and you look tampa went down two nothing to a, a rangers team so and you know nothing's over yet. This was a really important first step for the Avalanche because now they now that now we do have a series. If you're down one nothing, you know heading into game two again, Mike. I I just picture myself. I picture these guys who haven't been there and done that. Yeah, you don't want to get too high or get too low. But even Landeskog and Burkowski after the game 
last night admitted, you know, Berkey said he was like, I got up at 6 a.m. because I couldn't sleep. Mike, I got up at 6 a.m. yesterday because I couldn't sleep. You know, I can only imagine what those guys were going through. And Landy even admitted to being nervous. And I don't know if you saw him between first and second periods, but this guy was sucking wind. You could tell his lungs were burning. Nine days off had taken a toll. And so the fact that they were able to overcome Blowing two different leads last night, which this the, those two blown leads weren't like what we saw in St. Louis. You expect Tampa Bay to make it a game at some point. You can't let a team like St. Louis off the hook. Obviously, you want to keep Tampa down, but Tampa's going to get theirs. So what, I think it was a really great cat crash course in what it takes to win a title last night. And, and here's the thing. It only gets harder from here because you know Tampa's coming harder and they're making adjustments for game two and they're going to play with more intensity because the sense of urgency only continues to raise. And certainly when they get back home, it's going to be a different but let's, environment. Let's talk about that because here's my opinion. You tell me what you think. If And I'm looking at this from the Tampa standpoint. If Tampa has any hopes of winning this series, they have to win game two. And I know that they have in their back pocket that they dropped the first two to the Rangers and then came home and won the next, next four. Avalanche ain't the Rangers. And I, I I would I would have a hard time believing that the Avalanche would lose two straight road games. They haven't lost a road game yet. So the idea of them losing two in a row on the road, I know it's Tampa, but I just I just don't see that happening with this team. Especially if they win especially if they win game two. Okay? If the ads are up two oh I, I just I, I, I just can't imagine this team then going out over to Tampa and losing two on the road. So looking at it from the Tampa standpoint, you want any chance to win this series? You've got to win game two. All the pressure's on Tampa. Agree or disagree? No, now it is. Now it is. I mean, I mean it, you're, you, there's no doubt about it because if they lose the game two, you're going to have to win, what, four of, you know, you know four of oh, five right, games. Right, which they just did in the last series. Sure, but sure. but you're not going to do that against the Avs. Okay, I mean, good. Yeah. We're on the same page there. Okay, yeah, no doubt, no doubt about it. No, I mean this. We know who this Avs team is, Mike. I mean they're they're the most talented team in the league. They're the best team in the league. I just need them to prove it to themselves, you know. And I think that we 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 took a major step forward after game two when we saw this Avs team shut out Edmonton after playing that 8-6 to six hockey game and recommit to the defensive end of the ice. And we're going to need to see that commitment play out here these next few games. I'm just never going to get ahead of myself in this series when you're talking about a back-to-back champion that yeah, is that's fair. as good as, as Tampa is. So, again, one at a time. And, yeah, feel confident. You know, if you want to feel cocky, that's great. But at the same time, recognize who you're playing. Yeah. And those guys in that Tampa room have tons of pride. And I don't know if you've gotten a chance to go watch Quest for the Cup on ESPN+, Plus, which I highly, highly suggest everyone out there do that. It's like a mini playoff hockey version of Hard Knocks. You can see some behind-the-scenes moment of Cooper with the Lightning and Bednar with the Avs. These guys really have good chemistry with their teams. And and Cooper, I would love to play for him, man. So I, I expect Tampa to come out with some pride in game two. And look, I still think Tampa has some has some advantages that they haven't really taken, uh, um, really realized yet, especially with that third line and Nick Paul. I thought Nick Paul for them last night was really good. Hey, that- you, you, you've been with me throughout the, this entire playoff run. You know how cocky and dismissive I was of the competition in the Western Conference yes, sir. playoffs. You know that. Uh, have you heard any of that coming from me when it comes to this series? 
No. No, no. I, I still have a healthy amount of respect for Tampa as well. But um, that that respect is going to be tested, prove it to me, in, in Game 2. Because, as I said, if the Avalanche win Game 2, I, I, I think you can start thinking about this being uh, a five-game series. I, I really do. But uh, if Tampa does answer the bell and – you know, they're the defending champs, and they won't go down without a fight, and they show their championship medal, and they win game two, then, yeah, we're looking at probably a seven-game series uh, between these I can these start two thinking about the five-minute mile, but i got to put one foot in front of the other first. Yes, agreed with that. Uh, real quick, a couple quick yeah. uh, thoughts before we wrap things up. You've been great. Matt Smith joining me here on the Mile High Hockey Podcast. A couple players I want to salute. How about Darren Helm? Big How about time. Darren Helm? You know, you, you pick up a guy like Darren Helm, before the season, you're like, yeah, you know, good good guy, good veteran guy, good in the room, you know, good fourth-line guy, plug-and-play type guy. And then he's one of those guys that during the long haul of a, of a regular season, you know, you just don't really notice his impact. But you get into a playoff game and you start looking at all the little things that have to happen in order for teams to win. And then you look at him out there and you just – all of a sudden, it's magnified, right? He had 10 hits, Matt. He had 10 hits. Yeah. He had like I, I'm 25, glad you brought that up. He had like 25% of uh, all Avalanche hits last night. One guy, Darren Helm, double figures. I'm really glad you brought that up, and I'm trying to find it right now so I can add to this conversation with – here we go. Here we go. Hold on. It's loading. There mm-hmm. you go. Darren Helm, third in the playoffs in hits, Mike. Third behind Truba and Evander Kane third in the entire NHL playoffs in hits. You got oh, this so when guy it's done, it's going to be number one. Exactly. You got this guy for a million bucks, and you took a flyer on him. You took a flyer on a guy like Jack Johnson, which, you know, everybody's had their opinion. He's looked slow. Let's give Jack Johnson credit. Once he's gotten back in the lineup and actually had an opportunity to get his legs under him after those first two games, after sitting down for, you know, about a month, he's been pretty solid. I mean, has he been perfect? No, but... You know, you're looking – what you're seeing now is – and so you got Helm, third in hits. Eric Johnson is fifth in hits. Darren Helm is over 72 hits. EJ has over 60 hits. I mean, you're talking about veteran presence in the locker room, stepping up and making plays. And I thought one of the storylines we haven't talked about was how about Bednar moving up O'Connor and Helm and putting Lekkinen on the third line and using that as your third line. That was not expected, and that was a really, really solid adjustment. Because without Cogliano, you don't really have the same dynamic on that fourth line. But I love the fact that you put Arturi Lekkinen down there, and that's why you got a guy like that, because he can play on any line and he can play any role. And I thought that line was really impactful last night as well. But your great point, Darren Helm's been fantastic. And again, he's one behind the overall lead for the playoffs and hits. Do you think we see Kadri in this series? Into the back of my mind last night, I started to think about it because they could really, really use him. You really felt his absence last night. I was concerned heading into this series more so with if it would have been Tampa than it would have been New York for uh, missing Kadri. I think he's going to try and play. From everybody I hear, from all these NHL insiders that I'm talking to and the ones that I've heard on podcasts, that they really think Nas is going to give it a go. My only concern – and look – I think it's great. If he wants to come back and play, I think that's great. My only concern is where, what is he going to give you? 
The problem is, is that's his right hand, which is his dominant hand, right? In the face-off circle, you know, shooting the puck, defensively, passing the puck. That's, those, are, those are situations at the center position where you really need your thumb. Like, you really need to be able to grip your stick and put some weight behind your thumb to pull back a face-off, which, by the way, that's something we can talk about. They got dominated in the face-off circle last night. That needs to get cleaned up moving forward. And uh, Landeskog was the only one with a positive face-off margin uh yeah i think he'll try and play cadre i do i think it'll be later in the series however if you've got a 3-1 lead after four i don't know that i would play him plus there's also i have no doubt i agree with you i i think he'll he'll say coach put me in i'm ready to go but this right. might be one of those instances where jared bednar has to, has to say look you, you, you're you're just running the risk of hurting us and i think I, so i'd love to have I you out so. there but i have to make the tough call that uh you're willing, but I just I just don't think you can help us enough. And if anything, you might hurt us. And sorry, it breaks my heart to have to do it, but I, I can't put you in. I, I could see it playing out like that. A couple other quick things as we're, uh, we're bouncing around with some topics. How do you feel about the um, delay of game penalty that gets called if you uh, throw the puck up and, and out of the zone and it goes into the crowd? We saw that huge penalty on Pat Maroon at the end of regulation. How do you, how do you feel about that rule? I think it's fine. I think it's fine. Look, I mean, you think you it should can, be an automatic penalty like that? I, yeah, I do because you could be you could bail your team out of a really bad situation if you felt like the only way to clear the puck would be to throw it out into the crowd rather than dump it. I mean, we've seen the Avs get the, get themselves in trouble in situations where they just can't clear the puck. Right? They've tried from behind their own net to dump it and they can't get it out, and bam. Tampa gets a reload or Edmonton gets a reload and they're back in their offense creating a chance. Whereas, look, I mean, if you feel like you can't, you know, rim it off the glass and out of your zone, then if you can rim it right out, if you can just shoot it right into the crowd, it might be easier. So, yeah, I, I don't mind that. Obviously, a really tough play, right? A really tough play. Where I think this is where I think this is interesting is Tampa thinks that they they uh got job by the whistle last night. They they feel like the McCarr trip was a soft call. They didn't like it. That made it a five-on-three, a huge conversion there from the Avs when they absolutely had to have it. And, um, you know, I definitely think that's going to be when, – when if I'm John Cooper this morning, I'm looking at this like, look, we didn't get the benefit of the doubt with the whistle last night. They, there was definitely a home whistle, and this is from Tampa's perspective. If we can cut down on some of those self-inflicted mistakes and we can have a better start to this, I mean, this series is just as close as any series is going to be. So it was a soft call. It, it was a soft call, and, and 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 don't get me wrong, it was a penalty. It was a penalty, but you watch playoff hockey long enough, you you understand that there will be moments where officials just decide, I'm not going to call a penalty here. I, I'm not going to put. Um, my uh, my call is not going to be what goes down as a, a huge part in deciding the game. I, you, you see it in the third period and overtimes of games where we, we joke about how referees swallow their, their whistles. And they do. They, they just are not going to call the game in the third period or overtime the same way that they would call it earlier in the game. And I respect that. I'm I'm fine with that. I truly am. I'm not somebody that walks around, whether it's hockey or, or basketball, and say whatever's called in the first quarter should be called in the, in the fourth quarter. Nope, I, I do believe that it, it should be called differently. And I do think in that, in that situation, knowing how crucial of an advantage a five-on-three is, 
I I would expect the officials to let that go. I was surprised, pleasantly so, that they made that call uh, because typically officials do take a take stock of of the moment in deciding whether or not to blow the whistle. So I I thought if, if I'm Tampa, I am kind of ticked off because ninety eight percent of the time that does not get called. Yeah, and again, they were incensed when the call was made. Oh, that was in yeah. the fir- that was in the first period, though, where the, when they made it the five on three. That's what we're talking about, right? Yeah, the five on yeah, three. The yeah. trip, the Sorelli yeah. trip yeah. on Makar. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think they also thought Makar took a dive. And if you go back and you watch the video of it, I, if you made that argument, I could see where you're coming from. But at the same time, that's kind of a savvy vet move. We saw we saw Edmonton do it like five or six times, where you know uh, Darren Helm has his stick in in the elbow. Of of Zach Cassian and even though Cassian's holding on to it you know Helmer gets called on the hook like there's 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 a bunch of different little savvy vet moves you can make and here's here's and like you mentioned it's a penalty right but give credit to McCarr for fully selling it and again I understand being incensed if you're Tampa because you're used to getting the benefit of the doubt as the back-to-back champions but look the problem with Colorado and playing Colorado and we've seen it now with every single opponent is at a certain point in time, you can't keep up with Kale and you can't keep up with Nate. And we saw it two different times last night, those guys drawing penalties because of their speed. And that is a huge factor in this series. Can Tampa stay with it? What's interesting is I think there's only been eight teams in NHL history to come back down 2 nothing in the conference semifinals or semifinals and win a series. And Vegas was one last year. Tampa is one this year. But only one team of those eight in NHL history who have come back down 2 nothing in these late rounds has won a cup, and that was the 91 Penguins, which I think kind of tells you that when that happens, either a very good uh, turn of events has gone your way or you're playing on borrowed time. Yeah. So we'll see we'll, we'll see how the, that theory is tested moving forward. We're going to learn how much Tampa truly has left in their tank. And and cuz that's been no that's, doubt. that's been a storyline is that and it's a, it's a fair one. This team has played a lot of hockey over the last 3 years and they've basically been going non-stop um, for the last, you know, two two seasons. So uh, we'll we'll learn what they have left in the tank physically and emotionally uh, in game two, because I, it, it's not just your, your own gut feeling and eye test watching this Avalanche team to know they're, they're not going to go up 2-0 and then lose two in a row on the road. It just doesn't. And then the historical aspect that you just correctly pointed out, that uh, you, you can't think that you're going to fall behind 2-0 again if you're Tampa and be able to pull it out. So they, they I think they understand that, their their season, their chance to win a, a three-peat rests in game two, and I'll be I'll be fascinated to see how they come out and play and how the Avalanche answer. Let me ask you a question. You've been really confident all playoffs long. Mm-hmm. I mean, what did you have this series? I had the Avs in seven. Uh, my, my theory was, and, and you were with me during the St. Louis series, and, and part of the reason why I felt and that— And the Nashville. I've been with you from the I beginning. I know, but, but the, particularly the St. Louis series. The, the reason why I felt that— uh, St. Louis would be a tougher matchup than Minnesota, and why I felt that St. Louis would be the, the toughest matchup in the West was because here's a team that uh, has a system, a system that they, they, they know, that they trust, that they're comfortable in playing, and they're battle-tested. They have, they have the know-how, right? Mm-hmm. And it did prove to be that St. Louis was the toughest matchup for the Avs in the West. But I look at Tampa as being St. Louis 
amplified, right? It, right. It's like because, Thank you. Because yes. what you have in Tampa is you have you have all the same things that you had with St. Louis, except you have better goaltending. At a championship level, right. Be- yeah. Better goaltending, <laughs> right. better defensemen, and uh, even, I think, even more dynamic uh you know, playmakers, game changers. When you get when you're talking about guys like Kucherov and, and Stamkos and and, and Hedman, so uh, I, I just look at at what whatever St. Louis was Tampa, uh, Tampa light. You know what I mean? And, mm-hmm. and Tampa's Tampa. So exactly. I, I I went into this series saying, okay, the the same concerns I had about St. Louis are more magnified because it's Tampa. And so whereas I I told you I thought Abs and six. Against St. Louis, I was abs in seven against Tampa. So I, I still will stick by that. But I'll tell you what, if Tampa doesn't show up in game two, this this, this prediction quickly changes. <laughs> well, we, we're going to see. We're going to see. You, you're doing the pregame with me on on Saturday, right? Uh, no, I'm actually doing it with Sandy Clough because I'm going to be out at the um, – uh, On the, Saturday? At, on Saturday, I'm going to be out at the thirty eight. And oh. you are going to be, you know, watching the game and doing the post-game show. So, oh, I didn't know I got the shaft on Saturday. That's news to me. Well, you know, now you know how Andre Borakovsky feels. <laughs> I got the healthy scratch. You just got, you got, I got healthy scratch. You got, you, now you know how uh, Borakovsky feels. But just wow, like, wow, I didn't like, know that. Just and like, happy, happy birthday. You know, happy, you know, uh, happy birthday to me. Wow, getting, getting the, getting that's the your birthday? Stanley Cuff scratch. Wow, all year long. And look at that. Wow. Look at that. For all Just you listening right now, curb. folks, what can I say other than awkward, awkward? Uh, <laughs> yeah, no. now you know how Andre Burakowski feels. There you go. Your, your nemesis, now you get to walk a mile in his shoes. Well, you have or fun with Sandy on Saturday. Yeah, well, I will. I will indeed. <laughs> uh, hey, great job, Matt, as always. Uh, really appreciate it. It's been, it's been a blast, and uh, we're not done yet. So thank you very much. All right, buddy. All right, there he is. Matt Smith. Uh, who is 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 going to be very busy? In fact, um, for those of you who are listening, uh, fr- Friday you're going to be on with um, DMac in the afternoon, I believe, yeah. right? Yeah, the and then house. all throughout the weekend and and everything else. So uh, look forward to chopping it up many more times with Matt Smith. This has been the Mile High Hockey Podcast presented by TNT Home Services. Great specials during the month of June as a TNT, a proud Ream Pro partner, offering. off a new AC unit, $300 off a new tank water heater, $500 off a tankless water heater, and big savings on a new electrical panel as well. So reach out to my friends at TNT Home Services, 720-500-1979, and at TNTHomeServicesCO.com. TNT Home Services, we got your six. We'll see you again next week on the Mile High Hockey Podcast.